The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. But we're starting with that big story that's breaking in the area of climate change that Minister Eamon Ryan has said we need to get the number of cars down by 20% between now and 2030. This, as you know, is a charged area because a number of rural TDs have been saying it doesn't reflect daily life in rural Ireland, but the Climate Change Action Plan is going to include these increased targets of removing cars off the roads of Ireland. And Sive O'Neill is a researcher at UCD and a climate change activist, and she's on the line. I'll also be joined now in a second by Michael Healy-Ray, who's an independent TD for Kerry. Sive, we, we know that we've had a number of targets. We are all very familiar with the ones in agriculture. The greater use of public transport has also been a, a corner piece of policy in this area. But getting the 20% reduction in cars one do you think it's achievable and two how do we get there in your opinion uh, well, good afternoon, Emmett. Um, I listened back to the minister's uh, conversation earlier this morning on News Talk Breakfast, and I was quite surprised that he didn't rebut the claim in the Irish Times article that the target would be a reduction of 20% in cars, because in fact, my understanding is that that's not correct. It's a 20% reduction in kilometres travelled. And of course, the difference there is that, you know, there's no big long arm of government going to reach out and swipe one in five cars off the road. It wouldn't be legally permissible for the government to prevent people from owning cars. So the way that government policy work is works is that it shapes policy uh, in terms of how we allocate space on our roads and streets to different forms of transport. So the focus of the Climate Action Plan, I understand it hasn't been approved yet, will be on taking the recommendations of a recent report by the OECD. And the idea is to change our mindsets completely away from this kind of road dominated approach and private vehicle ownership and focus instead on encouraging the avoidance of unnecessary journeys, shifting people onto active travel, walking, cycling, public transport, and improving all the infrastructure and making sure that we're using the very best forms of infrastructure to keep our emissions And Sive, um, just in terms, obviously the Minister, as you say, he didn't push back against this headline of the mm. 20%. I mean, what do you think? He just liked the headline, but it's actually kilometres, which is a slightly different thing. Although, do you have any idea what that might translate into then in terms of vehicles being taken off the road? Maybe there's well, some correlation between the two. It, it, it does translate into fewer cars being on the road. Of course it does, because that's what it, it needs to involve. But there is a subtle difference in terms of how that's communicated, because it's very easy to listen to the minister or to read the Irish Times piece and think, oh, my God, you know, they're, they're going to kind of use very coercive me- measures to take cars away. When in fact, it's about providing the incentives. It's about providing other options for people. It's about boosting our investment in active travel, cycle lanes, in ensuring that the public transport networks are rolled out. And a lot of public investment is actually going into that. In fact, the Department of Transport have said that they've already this year introduced 67 new bus routes in uh, regional towns and cities in Ireland and added an extra, I think, uh, 97,000 kilometres worth of local bus routes. So there have been big shifts. And that's the you know proof of the pudding is where the investment is actually going. But you cannot ask people to use public transport if it's going to be chock-a-block in congestion alongside private cars. So you fundamentally do have to... You have to make a choice is what you're saying. Yeah, you, you... So, But it's all about using a kind of a combination of carrots and sticks and it's not going to work if you're 
communicating to the public that they're not going to be allowed to own a car because that won't be the case. Nobody's sure. OK, well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you've clarified that. Maybe the Minister will, will feel, that, feel it necessary to do so as well. I'm also joined by Michael Healy Ray, who's an independent TD for Kerry, and I know he's been campaigning for a long time in this area of transport, but in rural Ireland. Deputy Healy Ray, I mean, we know we have to get the number of cars that are certainly petrol or diesel fuelled down. Obviously, there's electric vehicles is another option, although we're still at reasonably low levels measured against the other two fuel sources I mentioned. But in terms of rural Ireland, do you think the Minister is getting this wrong completely because it's just a totally different world from urban Ireland? Well, good evening, Emmett, Sive, and your listeners. And I thank you for the opportunity of putting forward what I would like to see a common sense, what I would like to call a common sense approach to this. When we are talking about asking people to use public transport, we have to remember we can't ask them to use or avail of a service that does not exist. I will give you an example of what it's like to live in the real world. This evening, I'm starting out on a journey now, and I'm going back the direction, which is the Dingle Peninsula, which will entail going to places like Vintry, Bellyferreter, Honeskall, Brandon, Camp, all of those areas. These areas, in the very vast majority of cases, do not have a public transport service that would adequately take care of the needs of the families, the young, the old, the middle-aged living in those locations. Now, whatever about Green Party activists, the one thing that they cannot do They cannot tell people living in rural areas, well, you can't live there anymore. And as long as we're going to live where we're given a God-given right to live, if we're born there, if we're reared there, and if we're continuing to live there, and if we want to live there, the Green Party can't stop us from doing that. And if we're living there, we need to transport ourselves. And unless there's going to be a bus route servicing every part of the country, we will need individualised transport to motorise ourselves from A to B, because it is not feasible, sensible or practicable to be asking a person to walk, to cycle or to run from their homes to their work, to their medical appointments, for their education needs. People need to live. Now, I'm sure that Sive would agree with that. They're not, that they're not going to try and tell us that we're not entitled to leave. Well, let's, let's, um, let's to be fair this to Sive, yeah, hang on a second, Deputy Hillary, just let's bring in Sive, because yes. she has, she well, has, well, she, she's been accused of things before she's spoken. No, no, I'm going to finish this because I'm entitled to the same amount of time, which I haven't had yet. We are not living, thankfully, in North Korea image. We're living in Ireland. Where people, if they want to live in a rural location, if it's in Balance, Gaelic, or if it's in Port McGee, they're as well entitled to live there as above in Balls Bridge or in Black Rock. And I want to make that very clear. And if they're living there, they're entitled to move freely with whatever mode of transport they can afford. And God knows it's expensive enough at the moment. But I think that's a fair and logical okay. assumption to have. Deputy Healy Ray, stay there. Um, Sive, we're, we're talking, we've got a Balls Bridge or Black Rock perspective on this. And if you live in rural Kerry, the world looks very different. You simply need individualised forms of transport to get around. Well, just one thing I'd like to correct first is that I'm not a Green Party activist. I'm not a member of any political party. Um, so just to take up a couple of points there, I think um, it's a, some of the issues that Deputy Healy Ray is highlighting are actually very important. In rural areas, there is a, a feature which we call forced car ownership, which is where people are literally forced to drive cars and own cars with all the expenses that come with that, precisely because there isn't adequate alternatives available. Now, that's partly down 
to bad planning and a dispersal of, of housing in rural areas that makes it very difficult and expensive to provide public transport. But it also speaks to a certain point, which is also true that a lot of the investment has gone into, and including subsidies for EVs, has benefited uh, wealthier classes of people living in urban areas where there is public transport available. So part of what the government has to do here is actually reshift and reallocate both the road space and the transport investment and funding so that it's fair and equitable to everybody. But when you do that, what you see is that it makes the most sense to get people in urban areas uh, out of cars and using active travel, walking, cycling for short journeys, planning our towns and cities better so that people can avail of services locally without having to drive very far. And, and, And thirdly, to improve the infrastructure that we have and roll out new rural public transport services to make those kind of interurban and rural-rural connections viable. And of course, it's true that we're coming from a low base. Deputy Healy Ray is correct there. But in fact, there is a lot of progress happening here. It's quite extraordinary, in fact, that there are new routes opening up all the time in towns that have never had public transport or that where the buses were taken away years ago. So there's quite a lot to celebrate. And the important thing is that we keep up the momentum and then encourage people through whatever ways we can to use the services and to get used to them, especially at a young age, so they don't feel the the need to invest in a car. But it's about linking up our planning policies with our transport policies. You can't do one without the other. Let, let so me we go. need a sustainable okay. approach to planning. Okay, thanks, Sive. Let's go to Deputy Healy. Deputy Healy, you're dealing with forced car ownership, Sive is saying. You just can't recognise it. Essentially, you've been forced into this existence of using cars and you, you should be campaigning for more public transport. That's ultimately what you should be doing. Well, Limit, I always welcome uh, finance into rural transport. I always have, and I very much appreciate uh, advancements that have been made, but it's quite simply not enough. And if you look at the geography that we have, and it's not just about Kerry, it's about other parts of the country. You've Donegal, you've Clare, you've Mayo, you've all places where there's a lot of remote areas and they're not going to be fully serviced. And a public transport service will not, in rural areas, take care of everybody's needs because everybody's not timed on sync and, and moving at the same time. And if you were, for instance, working in the farming community, you will still need your own individualised transport. And, uh, like, yes, you can try to avail of public transport, but it's not going to always be practicable. Now, the other thing that I'd say, because uh, I've mentioned planning. Now, one thing that I've a long time campaigned for, and when you see some of the social problems that we have in larger built up areas where there seems to be, in some cases, breakdowns in law and order and, like, built-up areas sometimes are very nice places to live, but sometimes they're not. And if you have young couples particularly who want to build a house on family-owned land or if they want to purchase a house in a rural area and refurbish it, remember the government are encouraging people by providing a grant at present to do up and renovate a derelict property. And we want to see that type of work going ahead because we want to see lights on in houses that are presently empty. But if that means that a young couple want to buy or build a house in a rural area, more look to them. And isn't that a wonderful and lovely place for them to bring up their families if that's what they want? And if they want to do so, nobody, whether they're in a Green Party movement or on some other Green agenda, more look to them, but they won't stop, in my opinion, people having the freedom of choice. Because remember a couple of years ago, we had different referendums and choice was a word that was used an awful lot. 
Well, I stand up for choice too. I stand up for the choice of people having the right to live in a rural area if they wish. And if they want to live in the countryside, more look to them. And isn't it great to see life in rural areas, keeping the local pub, the local shop, the local post office, the local creamery, the local everything. What do we want to do? But de- Shut down rural islands but deputy, and have uh, an but, zoo? But, but deputy, nobody's... Uh, is anyone saying people shouldn't live in rural Ireland? I mean, you're, you're, you're creating a straw man there. Nobody's saying they shouldn't. Uh, or, no, no, I, no, no, I'm not. Because Saiv, when she mentioned... No, I'm very particular about this. Saiv mentioned the word forced car ownership. Yes. And she said this was brought about by not joined up thinking and planning policy. I remember exactly what she said because she only said it a couple of minutes ago. And she clearly made a connection between forced car ownership and planning policy, which to me suggested that people were building in areas where you needed a car. That's yes. the logical conclusion I'm taking from what she said. So I'm correct. When I, I'm not creating a straw man. I'm talking facts. Yeah, let, 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 let me just go to Sive on that because, you know, there's, there's some dispute here between who's, who's saying but forced car ownership where it's going. Sive, are you still there with this? Yes, absolutely. A Do you want to clarify ownership. that because... Yeah. Um, yep. Sure, sure. Forced car ownership is a feature of Irish transport life for almost every area. Uh, it's particularly... Uh, true in in rural areas um, where there isn't adequate public transport or any public transport. But it's even true in parts of Dublin. So you've got suburbs of Dublin that are poorly served by public transport, where people have to drive to get from one part of Dublin to another because there'll be too many connections to be made otherwise. Now, that's where Bus Connects come in. And again, we have seen lots of progress there. I believe that there's um, huge progress, like 1.3 million kilometres of new services through Bus Connects uh, have been announced by the Department of Transport. So as that um, interconnected approach to public transport starts to roll out, hopefully outside of Dublin as well, we we need it in in, in Cork, we need it in Waterford, Galway and so on. But that kind of thinking and planning of public transport makes it easier for people to make more complex journeys. But forced car ownership is absolutely a feature everywhere where you have inadequate uh, public transport and also inadequate... I appreciate the uh, clarification side. I do appreciate that because I I, I guess it shows people not being misrepresented by either side. So both well done to both of you. Our two guests there were Michael Healy-Ray, who is an independent TD for Kerry, and Simon O'Neill, who is a researcher at UCD and a climate activist. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.